Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Father John here with my good friend, Father Nathan Goble. Let's do this thing. Nathan is going back to Illinois. That's tomorrow. right. So this is, uh, we're hopefully planning in advance, right? We're back on, back on the wagon here. Apologizing again for the month of uh, absence, but we're back. So yeah. it's going to come out in like early August, I think. So really? In the future. Okay, well, we're back on the horse, whatever. Back on the horse. You fail to plan, you plan to fail. Beautiful. Like every podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going to be on a plane tomorrow from, what, 4 o'clock until 7 o'clock. Um, Flying in Mount Zion International Airport. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, which, you were, were you there for that when we were at the Avett Brothers concert last Saturday? Um, or yeah, last Saturday and the, I'm sitting there doing my normal, like loud talking, you know, telling jokes, you know, just being a total bimbo of sorts. <laughs> um, and, uh, this girl walks up to me oh, yeah. and she says, are you from Mount Zion? And then she slaps him. I know she didn't. No. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Though. But she says, she says, are you from Mount Zion? And I was like, yes. And I kind of recognized her. turns out it's Tess Redlinger. Tess Redlinger? Tess Redlinger Get from my home parish, Our Lady of the Holy Spirit. And, um, yeah, anyways, I remember very well her sister, Jordan Redlinger, because as a young uh, eighth grader, I had a crush on uh, uh. her sister, Jordan. They sat on the right side of the church, probably second or third pew. We were left side of the church people, second or third pew. She didn't pew, get to hold so. her hand during the Our Father. Never. Oh, Never. no, no. I, that would be embarrassing. Sweaty, so. sweaty hands. Yeah, I just uh, left the sweaty palms for my sister, Ashley. Nice. Is that your shout-out? Uh... No, I get my shout-out later. Anyway, okay. so we're talking about that. You were saying Mount Zion International Airport. No, I'm flying into Bloomington. Bloomington. Um, BMI, um, which sounds like body mass index, but um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that right now. Um, anyways, so the, the, the question, we're kind of piggybacking on what we talked about. I can't remember how many weeks ago when, when they all came out, but we talked about Lumen Fidei and faith and talking to people about religion. And how harrowing uh, that can be at times. Like. Yes. And for me, sometimes it's like walking through a minefield. Because you start bringing up topics and you have no idea where people are at. And you may say something about anything from same-sex marriage or contraception or divorce. And people are all over the spectrum on those issues. Oh, yeah. And all over you a lot of times. Yes. If they know you're Catholic or if you happen to have a collar on. Yeah. Can I give two examples from the last three hours? There you go. Please. I, I'm adjusting to these things called sick calls. Uh-huh. I had never had uh, sick calls before because I wasn't kind of a real priest in Boulder. I was uh-huh. just kind of hanging out a lot of the time. So I had two of them this afternoon. First one, I go in and uh, nicest old guy and he just wanted the anointing. He was basically dying. His son, totally fallen away Catholic and... Uh, and the nurse just starts railing me about how she got divorced and if the Catholic Church didn't have this opinion of divorce. And I'm just trying to anoint this guy. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. my gosh, this is crazy. Then two hours later, I get another anointing call. And I call the daughter and she starts freaking out. I don't want you to come and do this like witchcraft stuff to my mother and sure. blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this is insane. Hospitals are crazy. Mm-hmm. For those of you who work in hospitals, God bless you. Yeah. Because they're really intense. Mm-hmm. But I was just like shocked by I'm like – I'm not like running in there and yelling at people to repent. I'm just trying to show up because a couple of old people want the anointing of the sick. Yeah. And I'm just getting this like crazy hostility. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And sometimes sometimes it's someone encountering you as a representative of the church or as 
someone of the church, which every baptized Christian is a representative of the church. Um, it's not just people who have collars on or habits on. Um, but the reality is sometimes people are encountering you in a way that is, uh, you know, very hostile and they have a beef and they want to communicate that to somebody who will listen. Essentially, you're like customer service department, right? you know, and <laughs> like you just, somebody calls you and they're like really enraged that X, Y, and Z. Right. But sometimes people are calling with a genuine question. Like you sit next to somebody on a plane, perhaps um, you've worked with somebody for a while and they know you're Catholic and they want to know more about it. Um, so there's a definite difference and difference in tone and pitch in the way in which those people are approaching the the whole spectrum of the Catholic faith. Well, and that's true. And I think so much of the question is, um, what do you do? Well, there's several questions in it, but it's about the relationship between faith and personal relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And the question and the framework of apologetics and debating and all these different things like that. That's always the question. And how do you disarm people so that the the possibility of kind of, I don't know, not friendship, but even just basic human respect and affection can uh-huh. kind of start to take place. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that story about when I was in Leadville? The uh, meatloaf story? You uh-huh. ever heard this? No. Real quick story. This was one of the most hostile women I've ever met in my entire life. Rich Gagne and I are there. This is back in 2004 for Totus to Us. We're in Leadville, Colorado, which was originally the second – or. In the 1850s, it was the second biggest city in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mining town. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyways, we sit down with this uh, lady, and she serves us meatloaf, and she starts just railing us. And we're just seminarians. Rich is now a CFR. He's uh, in the uh, in the Bronx right now. Brother Pius Marie is his name. I think I met him. He has a really scraggly beard. A nasty beard. Yeah. Anyways. Not one to talk. Not Rich one to talk stones. Rich and I sit down, and she just hammers us 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, priests. You know, the church is teaching on homosexuality, blah, 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 everything, everything, everything. And she is just getting more and more angry. Uh-huh. And this woman we're supposed to stay with for the whole week, right? This is the first, like, 20 minutes we've been oh. with her. And I look up at her and I say to her, Helen, this is the most amazing meatloaf I've ever had in my entire life. And she just melts in that moment. And she's like, my secret is I make it in a crock pot. And I meant what yeah. I was saying. Yeah. But it was this crazy moment of, like, totally disarming her uh-huh. because the meatloaf was freaking unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, and then what followed was actually a human conversation yeah. and a dialogue about those things. Uh-huh. But she came off so hostile at first, and it's like it was just a lucky providential moment to disarm her because we happened to be eating her best meal. Right. But the question is, how do you get to the, that point with people? I think a lot of times, and this is all off, probably off the topic no. you had planned. But I, it's like night and day. That nurse today, and that woman Helen when we first walked in, and people struggling with things. It's just like it's crazy how different it can be. Yeah. And you never know when it's coming either. Yep. Yeah. I think part of the problem is uh, we're on call. You know, we're customer service. We're on call. Um, We are open for business 24 hours a day. You could be at a coffee shop. You could be at the airport. It doesn't matter where. Um, If somehow they find out that you are um, a believer, they could be inquisitive or hostile. Um, So... I'm more approaching this topic to those who are inquisitive. The problem with those who are hostile is uh, not becoming hostile yourself um, and not becoming enraged or feeling like you have to defend Holy Mother Church from every attack. Um, And, 
you know, there are people out there that are doing a really good job about that. You know, Bill Donahue, um, he's the one who finds every single uh, every single time the Catholic Church is defamed or, you know, the name of Christ is defamed in the media or in Hollywood or something like that. And he puts he out goes this list. He puts out this list every single year. And it's amazing, like, how many times the Catholic Church is kind of, you know, treated as, um, you know, uh, with disrespect and everything. Whatever. It's it's natural. Supernatural. I mean, there are certain things that are of that, of that against the church, both human and, uh, whatever. But it's a weird, it's a weird thing. We're coming from the perspective as clerics, right? We're walking around, there's a public witness that just walked into that coffee shop or whatever. It's different for other people, right? Mm -hmm. For like my brother on a plane, for example, talking to somebody, they're not going to have the walls. They're not just going to fire up. Or there's because sometimes it's not it's the opposite. They're very very warm to it. So I think for the average person listening to this podcast, like sure. we're kind of we're kind of dealing in a kind of a different world mm-hmm. here right now. But what do you do with the inquisitive person who yeah. actually cares about that's that's kind of the question of today. Right. What is distinct and how do you draw them? Because there's a bazillion different details. But how do you bring if they, if you think of the church like a tree? How do you bring them to what really matters most? Yeah. Very quickly. And in a way that actually receives and deals with what they're asking. Mm-hmm. That's that's the hard thing. Yeah. And I think we can propose three. Um, we can do podcasts on the other, you know, however many we're doing, you know, how many, however many podcasts we're doing. Take any one of those, I think. But you have to assimilate yourself. I mean, you don't just want to be a parrot repeating what you heard in this podcast. You have to um, have an experience of God and of the church and communicate that to another person. But not just say, well, I heard on this podcast X, Y, and Z, and let me tell you about how awesome this podcast is. I mean, if you want to do that, fine. But um, they, I think they gravitate more towards your, um, your living out of these truths. Okay, so I will propose three. You have there, three? There are others. Yeah. Can we just talk about two? Yeah, we talked about two. I'm going to mm, mention the third. Developing. No, 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 no. Development no. of doctrine. I did, yeah. I did say three, okay. okay, at the beginning. Okay, like, go I mean, for when it. When we were talking. Okay. Um, John had a lot of lead paint as a kid. So, um, what do, we were talking about this before. What are the two central mysteries that Balthazar mentions as uh, what as central distinct mis- distinct distinction? The two central mysteries that mark Christianity as distinct from anything else, any other religion. They right. completely set it apart. So, pause for there. When I got posed this question, I only got one out of two. So. Ask, I you, think I you missed asked, them both. You asked the question again. Well, Father Mike Rapp was the one who, who originally brought this to us. Mm-hmm. And I think I missed them both. Yeah. Well, I put it in terms of holidays. So I said Christmas and Easter. Right. Okay, Christmas, which is to us the Feast of the Incarnation, the Solemnity of the Incarnation, which is one of them. So the Incarnation and? The Trinity. The Trinity. Right. Which, I mean... Yeah, that's a stretch. Don't, don't even try and connect that to Easter. No, I got it wrong. That's oh, okay. what I said. I thought you were going to be like, well, it's kind of like Easter. No, I... Father's power kind of rises in front no, of blah, definitely blah, blah. not. The, uh, yeah, I think I missed those completely. I thought it was like faith and reason and then something else. I don't even... Yeah. But yeah, the Trinity and the Incarnation are what make Christians distinct. Yep. Period. That's it. So how would you how would you broach the concept of the Trinity with somebody who is asking the question, like, what makes you different? Okay. So I, I um, to use an example, I had a wedding on Saturday. We're in this wedding season right now. And I had a wedding on Saturday. Two Santa Clara grads, very, very um, well-educated people. One side of the family was fallen away Catholics who are like hardcore evangelicals now. And the other side is kind of nominal Catholic, whatever. 
so what do I do? What do I preach about? You know, and they choose a reading from John. So you're talking about Christ, but I take it right into the Trinity because that's where you can say, because I don't hear Protestants speaking about the Trinitarian relations a lot. I hear them speaking about Jesus a lot yep. and his experience and that the Father, their personal relationship with Jesus. But in many ways, there's an isolation of the second person, the Trinity. For the Catholics, it's always kind of the incarnation back as it reveals the Trinity. So I went right for it. And um, I did a, a couple different things on it. And it was really effective in the sense that it showed them this is really all about Christ. It's still Christocentric, but in a sense, Christ's purpose, true Christocentrism, is to reveal the Trinity. And so I think that's where you, you go is you say relationship. You start in relationship. You start in love. You start in friendship. You're made for this. Right in the midst of these things now, and then you bring it back into this is this is the proposal that Christ makes, that God himself is the source of all relationships. He's the perfection of it. The reason you want friends is because God is himself an eternal exchange of love, a friendship. The reason marriage is good is because God himself is marital, spousal, mm-hmm. in his love. And Christ proposes to give us access to that. That's, I think we get him back to the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's on the topic. No, that's beautiful because, and there's only so much we can say about the Trinity as well. I mean, we talked about this, I think, in the podcast, but also on the Swiss pilgrimage where we were saying there are certain things that we can say about God, and then there are certain things that we know we can't say about God. Right. But that is an extremely limited amount of information. He is infinite. We are finite. And God can be apprehended but never comprehended. Um, and even the human person, you understand something of the human person. Yes, I mean, you encounter another person, you can apprehend something about them. But there is something that is of the divine within that person, namely their immortal soul. Right. That makes them um, an infinite mystery. Right. Uh, but not in the same way that God is an infinite mystery. Um, we are only persons because he is a trinity of persons. Um, so I think that leading people into that doesn't give them all the answers, but at least leads them to the font and allows them to kind of lap at will. Yeah. And I think, I think what has to begin in, in people's experience, right at a wedding here, they are, everybody's just like, oh, look at how great the procession is. Look at how cute the bridesmaids look. It's sure. just, I, I love doing weddings, but sometimes you're just like, come on people. Seriously. Right. Right. My brother's getting married in three weeks here. Da-da. We are in all of the right. minute details and he's done a good job of, uh, of holding that together. What matters, but you go right for it, yep. right? Why is this good? Why does everybody say this is nice? This is good. Why does everybody love the ring bearer when he does this? It's the same thing every single time. Yeah. Why are we hardwired for these realities? Hmm. Point him back, bring him back to that. Yeah. But again, we don't have access without Christ. I think the biggest thing, and this is kind of a tangent, but I read a, a really interesting quote from Balthazar today. I actually preached about it, so but I don't think anybody in my parish listens to this podcast, so I can Yet. double dip. <laughs> He says this. He says it takes more humility to profess one's hopeless mediocrity than it does to make a public proclamation as a sinner. Say that again because you have the inquisitive look on your face. It takes more humility to recognize one's hopeless mediocrity than it does to publicly profess oneself as a sinner. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. In many ways, the problem is not Phariseeism. It's not, oh, Christians are all Pharisees, 
right? All Catholics are Pharisees. No, Catholics are just mediocre, right? We just kind of, eh, we don't care. We don't want to offend you. This really isn't that big of a deal to us. It's not something we're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, eh, you know what I mean? And it's been that way for like 50 years. Yeah. I think mediocrity is the plague right now. And we've talked about this, I think, before. At least we have as companions and probably on this podcast because everything gets recycled through yep. multiple different things, homilies, companions, conferences. But that great line from Bernanos, right? Mediocrity is more deadly to the priest than sin. And that's what it is. Oh, we'll just kind of settle. We're so comfortable as Catholics. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Right? we got to just kind of break out of that. And we got to be not afraid to speak about these realities because we just are just completely backed off and we're so concerned about not offending everybody while we're getting trampled on. And it's just, it, I'm just, you know. Yeah, and I think pointing them back to these central mysteries means that we're engaged in a project that is much bigger than just let us rid the world of X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, and let us have right order in, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I think it's interesting because you, you mentioned both of them in the same in the same in the same description. In the same like when you're describing the Trinity, we cannot help in describing the Trinity in including Christ. And the fascinating thing about this is I was sitting in a Bible study with um uh, People at my parish, and I can say the same thing, um, that many of the people that at least are there in this Bible study are not listening to this podcast. But they're talking about this. um, They were talking about the reading from this past Sunday from Colossians. Um, He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. And this lady says, sometimes I have a difficult time understanding how Christ and God are related. Now, I don't think this is a question of, of catechesis. That like, oh, shame on you. You did not study that Christ is the God man, you know. But the reality is we have not had this as a central theme of our preaching, teaching, and our experience. Our existence doesn't echo this to other people. So, yeah, how is the Trinity related to Christ? Right. You know, are there four persons of the Trinity? Or is Mary part of the Trinity? Like all these things. Um, they're, they're not part of people's lived experience. And the more we can kind of allow people, um, to ponder this mystery with us, um, the more apt they will be in approaching the scriptures in a way that is more reflective of reality. Because I mean, for those of you, I'm sorry if I'm being patronizing or something, there's father, son, and Holy spirit. The son is the one sent to us in um, the Logos, um, he is the word through whom uh, all things were created, but he is the word that became flesh um, at the beginning of John's prologue to his gospel. Um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That that word that became flesh is Jesus Christ. Jesus is his human name given by his parents. Christ is the anointed title Messiah. So you have this bridge between uh, man and God. And I just don't think, even for myself, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm saying people, I'm not thinking about this enough. I'm not thinking about the mystery of the incarnation connected to the Trinity enough. Because I want to skip over some of that and go right to the resurrection and say, everything should be better now because of the resurrection. Or to the practicals. Okay, what what do I do today? What do I do right now? That's right. And that's the thing. We're so pragmatic as yep. Americans. But well, I mean, is there – it's a scandal to me to think about the fact that, you know, our priests preaching 
more about the incarnation and the Trinity yeah. than they are about gay marriage, yep. contraception, right. abortion, or on the other side, you know, service to the poor, social justice, immigration reform, you know, AIDS in Africa, whatever sure. it might be, sure. or just even more watered down than that. Right. We get so polemicized into these issues that are like right. number 357, but what starts is the Trinity. Yep. And it's just like, we ha- I got made fun of a lot in Boulder by students for like, what's this homily about? The Trinity. And I love that about Balthazar is that everything begins that yeah. and comes back to that. And it's always via the incarnation. But I just I just think we're not unpacking this. We're not praying about this and we're not kind of dealing with it. We're just like, oh, it's a, it's a mystery. We'll just kind of put it off. There's one of those doctrines, you know what I mean? It's not even in the Bible. Well, yes, but this is like the central mystery. And we and the church has given us an articulation. And this is our access to it in, in the incarnation. And we're talking about this other stuff all the other time, which is important. And true, all of it, but it's like, come on, give us the give us the center of everything. Right. the The image that I come that I kind of see is that you know when you're trying to put up Christmas lights, you know, and you know that you've plugged in the the first one into the socket, and then you know one's working, two's working, and then all of a sudden there's a break, and then it's like, why is three no longer working? Um, and then I think the I think for us right now. The question isn't like, okay, why isn't three working anymore? We have to go back and look like, are we even plugged in? Right. You know, Goronsky used this image for us that the, 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 the main point is making sure that you're plugged into the source of all energy. You can have the brightest light bulb in the world, but if there's no energy going to it, it's never going to light up. Exactly. So the point is going back to the source, which is these two central mysteries and, um, and that's the way the catechism is, is is set up. And not to encourage you that you have to read the whole catechism, but just look at the way it's laid out. The first part is the creed. And the creed sounds really boring. And by the time we get to that part of the mass, most of the people are checked out and just reading it off a page or something. But this is the central um, proclamation of our faith um, in the liturgy of the word next to the gospel. You know, we have the creed. Um so then you have creed, sacraments, prayer. Wait, no, creed, morals creed, and prayer. Creed, sacraments, moral life, then prayer. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Why do I mention this? Because, you know, instead of going to these other issues where the, many of the landmines are, go back to the source. Let us go back to the source, which is the Trinity and the Incarnation. But then sometimes people can get lost and never, never make it back to the source because of suffering. Uh, okay. And if there's something else that, that you no, and, no, no, and I preach about favorite, yeah. is suffering. Okay. But here's why is because what are people looking at? They're looking at the reality of their lives. They're looking at the data of their lives and they're saying, this is not the way in which I think I was created. And the church has an answer for that. Yes, you are. You are correct. It's called original sin. And there's something broken in reality. Um, but we were talking beforehand, I was talking to a friend of mine and she was saying, why do you think two of our mutual friends, um, don't have faith? And what I thought about, I hadn't thought about this before is that as of yet, they have not yet experienced a heavy dose of suffering and it could come in a variety of forms. Now, both of them have gone through high school and high school is its own suffering. I mean, it was a painful time. Um, but family members dying, sickness, uh, love lost, um, failure, addiction, all those things. Not that you have to find God only in suffering, but as of yet, they've been extremely sheltered. And now they're, 
they're starting their life of dissipation. And so what I hope is not that God would smite them and bring them uh, to their knees, but that the reality of their lives, the kind of grit that gets into the machinery that is the normal ebb and flow of Facebook, Subway, $5 foot long, uh, we're going out drinking tonight, uh, you know, I got to get you know, a good grade on this test or whatever that there there's like a little sand that gets into the machinery and it's like, Whoa, why is everything not working the way it should? And then you start to see, wait, this is, this is normal. Sin is abnormal. And what is, what is the reality of my life that I have been created by a God who loves me, who sent his son to demonstrate this love for me and has an answer to the suffering of my life. Um, this is not a 10 minute, you know, apology for, you know, somebody on a plane. Maybe that's the way in which we started our podcast. No, but listen, I think but. you got to captivate them though. You got to yep. they expect you to say one of two things, either slam them about some kind of sure. moral issue or to be like, "Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal savior?" Sure. And it's like, "No. Work around the way. Give them the mystery of the Trinity. Give it to them." And then put that proposal out there. I think that's the most fascinating thing. Yeah. When they're seen as one, as a response to the suffering of their life right there and right now. That is that is it. Suffering is the way to knowledge of God, period. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. So it's only through suffering that we access Christ in the incarnation and only through that to the Trinity. Yeah. Now we better stop and go to an email here before there you we go. done. That's it. Good work. What was the topic again? <laughs> Three central mysteries of Christianity. Gotcha. Okay. This is from Gus. From a faraway land called Ohio, he said. Ugh. Father John, Deacons Joe, and Nathan, way better than I was expecting after seeing the title. He's referring to the theology of mountaineering. Wonderful okay. job. First thing I thought of was Thoreau's line, I went to the woods to live deliberately. Mm. That was about 150 years ago. Problem is, as I was walking to lunch listening to my iPod, I felt guilty because here I was tuned in to your message while I was tuned out of the world around me. See, we're part of the problem. Yeah. We are we are True. we're talking about the evils of technology and how horrible it is that people are listening with their headphones in and then we're like, hey, listen to the podcast. Well, I was it's on Facebook. Well, then he unplugged, turned off the electronics while he drove home. He said, "What a blessing." Good, Gus. Thanks for turning us off. That's right. It's That's a good. Okay. That's uh, it. Small shout out to Dana and Derek, who are parishioners of mine, and uh, and baby. All right, Catholic Stuff Podcast at Gmail dot com. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers.